So yes, I'm Chip. My name is Chip, uh, and I'm here to share with you a word about discipleship. Uh, so we're going to look at Matthew 28, and we're going to talk. I'm going to talk about what it means to disciple in the name of Jesus. And uh, before we start, though, let's uh, let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we just thank you that your call to us is to pray unceasingly, that there's never a time that we cannot commune with you. Pray that you'd soften the hearts of everyone here, that we'd be receptive to what you would say to us. We want to hear from you, Lord. I, I admit fully that I have nothing to offer these people. But you in me, Lord, can pierce the hearts of people here, encouraging them, spurring them on to know you like never before. And we are expectant of that because you're a good and gracious and loving God. We expect to hear from you tonight. Hallelujah. So as I prepared for this, I, I saw it before the Lord, um, kind of the way that I get with the Lord is to get up early in the morning, uh, usually around five o'clock, and I just sit with the Lord for a couple hours. Usually I don't want to leave that time to go work at my day job, which is with Lennar Homes as a customer care representative. Uh, so as I was praying for this time, um, I felt the Lord wanted to, to say something to us. So as, as I try to seek out prophecy and speaking on behalf of the Lord, um, I always caveat it with, you know, take this for what it is. I'm doing my best to hear from God. Um, maybe it'll resonate with you. Maybe you'll be like, that's blasphemy. Hopefully not. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I believe that the gift of prophecy is vital in ways for our uh, growth, that we need to hear the Lord. And as we prophesy into other people's lives, um, what God would have us say to them, there's a power that's released. So hear this. If you feel like you want to close your eyes, feel free. Uh, I'm just going to read this because I, I wrote it down that morning. I believe there are people here who struggle with worshiping God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. God allows this struggle that you would press into him for more authentic worship, that you would truly worship in spirit and in truth. He desires to be more intimate with you and calls you to deeper faith that you would be still and know that he is in you, in your thoughts, in your heart, in your emotions, in your breath, that you would know him as father, yes, and as savior, but also that you would know he is even closer to you than you have ever known. So, the greatest command that we have is to love him, love the Lord our God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And as we take that command seriously in our lives, it forces us to reconcile whether we actually do that or not. Do we love the Lord with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength? And I just challenge us all, as I, as I reconcile that in my life, and I do that consistently in my life, it challenges me to, to really look at why I don't. Oftentimes, the answer to that question for me personally is no. I don't love you, God, with all that I am. And, and in that vulnerability, the Lord is able to speak to my heart of why that is. He's able to break off the things that hinder me from truly loving him for who he is for eternity. So I think that's the heart of what he wanted to, to say there. Out of your revelation of his love for you, most significantly manifested on the cross, he desires for you to be more aware of his intimacy with you, his pursuit of you, his presence with you, ongoing dialogue with you, and manifestation of his love for you every moment 
of every day. I believe he would say, even, in, even my difficult commands for you in your life are manifestations of my love for you. My ways are higher, and I release my glory through your obedience. I release my glory in you in as you obey me in all things. Yes, my goodness and mercy and grace is released through you, and people around you are encouraged in their intimacy with me. But you need to more deeply understand that my cross for you is good and pleasing as it releases an intimacy in your life that you cannot have without it. My son was deeply intimate with me as he hung on the cross. That was a revelation to me as I, as I encourage you to listen to the Lord because that's a huge part of our ability to disciple others is actually hearing from God for others. You know, as I was sitting here, God reveals things, and I had to meditate on that. I'd never thought about that on a level. That, that Jesus, you know, when he, when he took the sin on him, you know, he says, you, for, you know, God, why have you forsaken me? And, and in that moment, there's a mysterious separation. But on that cross, you know, I believe he was truly intimate with, like, the, with the Father like never before. Fix your eyes on the glory that awaits you on things above that you would be excited to walk in my ways and in submission to my direction. My word is a lamp unto your feet and a light to your path. I will illuminate as you meditate on my word, as you seek my face. I will break you free from every lie of the enemy, that you would be set free to worship me and rejoice even in your greatest trials. There is no end to my goodness and grace. I love you. Hear me say this to you personally. I love you. You can trust me. There is no greater love than my love for you expressed in my sacrifice for you on the cross. You can trust me with everything. In this trust, you will love others more deeply and unconditionally. There is such freedom in this as you fulfill my second greatest command. I have given you such power to transform. As you are filled with me and overflow me with wisdom and grace and mercy and goodness and joy and peace and power, you will more excitedly seek my will in others' lives as you seek my kingdom manifest. Community is my kingdom, and kingdom community is selfless community. Consider others more significant than yourself as you relish in the truth that I laid down my life for you. What else do you need than my love? My love is eternal, and my love will manifest in you as you manifest my love to others. This is my kingdom come. So hopefully that resonated with someone here. So the last couple of weeks, or actually this last week, because Paula's sermon came out on Wednesday, I listened to, to Paulus preach a couple of times, and actually Bob as well. Um, you know, as I prayed for this body of believers here, just encourage you to, you know, take, if God leads you to go back and listen to them preaching. Um, you know, I, I, li- the, the, I listened the second time, actually Bob, I listened to three times, and just, just soaking in the truth, the depth of his relationship with the Lord manifest through his words into my life. Same with Paula's. And I, the second time I listened to Paula's sermon, I wrote this down, and so shout out to Paula. She, I know she gave me a shout out for my joy. Um, 
So I'll rip through this, but these, this is the depth, and I encourage you to go back and listen to her sermon again because these, these nuggets, these, these nuggets that she gave us, we are called to meditate on. It's, it's his, it's God's word for us because they're all rooted in the word of God. Um, she called us to wholehearted discipleship, to make disciples of others. Her analogy of, the G, of Jesus with the drill, as a drill instructor was awesome. You know, meditate on that and, and our relationship with the Lord as, as uh, we talk a little bit tonight about his authority in our lives, that we are in a war and that discipleship equips us for that war, that we're to cultivate authenticity, that we're not, we don't try to live up to the world's expectations, but we're about God's pleasure. And uh, I, I was funny because right before I listened to her preach, uh, I, I listened to this guy, John Piper, and he talked about Christian hedonism. And it's something that a lot, oftentimes it kind of scares people. Hedonism, what is that? Well, he talks about how in our lives, if we could just get this one truth that we just want to please the Lord and that he's actually easy, easily pleased, that we just do everything unto him, it, life is so much more different. It truly is a life and life to its fullest in joy and in peace and all the fruit manifests. She called us to be brave and of good courage, cultivating trust and gratitude, tithing generously, giving our first fruits. She made it clear a few times that her sermon, as she listed off these things that we're called to do, that her, you know, she was not telling us to be legalistic in this, that there's no, condemn, there's no condemnation in Christ, but that his, his commands for us are to liberate us. They're for our good. We're called to pursue the fruit of the Spirit, look at areas of our lives that have been wounded or broken, making sure that we're not doing things out of that woundedness and brokenness, that we're honest about where we are in life. We're supposed to ask God to root out those things that hinder us from having that total freedom and wholeness in Christ and Christ alone, to obey God even when it makes no sense, to have more obedience as we have obedience, we'll have more testimonies and more understanding of his love for us. She mentioned the DNA of relationships. She said it with this awesome tone. If you go back, she's like, the DNA of relationships. Know that, you're called, that we're called to know ourselves and what our personality is, that it's a good thing. Our personality is a good thing, that we can embrace the uniqueness of how we're created. And by knowing it, we can also temper it because there are certain parts of our personality, like my long-windedness, that we can, you know, hinder or, or stop. So I, I did that because of the depth of your leadership in this church. And I really highly encourage you to, to really go back and listen and meditate on the words that God has given Bob and Paula as leaders of this church that you'd be spurred on. Because I do believe strongly that as leaders of the church, they're praying for you specifically like I did. I believe God wants to speak to you directly. And this, we're going to end at 6, right? So I have 14 minutes. Is that kind of, I just want to make sure I know the time from, I don't even know how long I've talked. So I just want to make sure, like around 6? Well, I just want, I want to set my timer. Because <laughs> I am long-winded. So 6.05, is everybody okay with 6.05? All right, cool. Yes, I'm timing myself. Believe me. So these are the three things I want you to take away 
from this time. And, and you, you know, for those of you who read kind of what I was going to talk on, it's true. Wholehearted, wholeheartedly teach others to obey Jesus, to obey the Father, to obey Holy Spirit. Wholeheartedly establish the authority of God in your life and wholeheartedly learn from the master yourself. I'll say this one more time so you get the whole sermon without me even going any further. Wholeheartedly establish the authority of God in your life. Vital. Wholeheartedly learn and continue to learn from our master, our God, our king, our friend, our savior. And then wholeheartedly teach others to obey and be intimate with God. Matthew 28, 11 through 20. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. Okay, this is, you know, Jesus is resurrected. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Having gone, therefore, disciple all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And behold... I am with you always to the end of the age. So, Lord, stop me at verse 14. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. And I felt like this is a word for somebody here. Don't be satisfied unless it's truly the truth. So don't, don't be satisfied with, with half-hearted truths or ha- halfway truths. Humble yourself under God's hand and, and seek his ultimate truth so that if the truth comes your way, you're not so holding on to something that's placated certain behaviors or beliefs in your life that you're not willing to say, oh, I was wrong. I've been wrong for 10 years. As a youth pastor, um, I, had a, I had a mentor who, who ingrained this in me to be honest with the youth. So, you know, fully admitting that I didn't know it all. And so there were times when I would preach to them and I would make a mistake. And so the next week I'd say, I was wrong. You know, I've meditated on this more and this is what I really believe the truth is. And in that, I I would spur the children, I would spur the youth to look for themselves. Meditate on the word yourself. We are in an unprecedented era where we have the resources, the commentaries, the Greek, all that online. It's unbelievable. I had no problem spending 15 hours preparing this sermon just on these verses. And actually, I really whittled it down to just really one verse, one and a half verses. So, humble yourself. Let let us all humble ourselves and be open to the truth that God gives us that when when we're not in it, we would submit to that truth and turn from those lies that we may have believed. So the first point, wholeheartedly establish the authority of God in your life. Verse 18, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus said. Jesus has been established by the Father as the authority over all things. 
It is important that we consistently come back to the reality of authority in our lives and ask the question of who has authority. And it's said that, you know, we are going to be following somebody in life or some people in life. It's really important that we look at who that person is or who those people are. Just be honest with yourself. Is Jesus your authority? Is the word of God your authority? And be, be honest with yourself. If, if it's not, so when I first came to Christ, it was a very experiential thing. I had an encounter with the Lord, and he, he was like, why do you deny my truth? And I said, well, it, it, I don't get this whole Jesus thing, why you had to die on the cross. I just want to believe. I just, I, just, I just believe that you can forgive all of us. If we just say, hey, forgive us, why do I have to pursue this Jesus? And he said, who are you? And in that moment, in my room, a conviction on my heart came, and he said, who are you to tell me how I saved the world? And it pierced my heart, and it was the, the loving father saying, who are you? I love it when he does that. He's like, who, who, just remember who you really are. And in that moment, I'm like, that makes sense. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And I'd been pursuing, you know, God through Buddhism and all these different things. But in that moment, he revealed his son Jesus and the perfection of his sacrifice, right? But in order to go from there to a place where you're actually meditating on his word day and night where you believe that this book now of words is authority so that you're actually going to obey everything that's written in it you know as as God says meditate on my word day and night that you'd be careful to do everything written in it that took me years to fully embrace that I had to study why is this book different than these other books you know, I, I remember reading, reading and listening to people speak. You know, I remember listening to science scientists talk about coming to Christ because he was looking at the creation accounts of every book of religions and how only in the Bible does it actually have the creation story as we know it scientifically. And so he's like, these other books, they're, they're not truth. But the Bible, I cannot seem to disprove. So how are you... How have you established Jesus as authority in your life and the word of God as authority in your life? What's your testimony? And if you, if you have doubts like the 11 disciples did, they worshiped him, but what? Some doubted him. Why did they doubt? Why did they doubt? Don't think doubt is a bad thing. God uses doubt to enable you to pursue him to the place where he finally says, yes, you seek me, I've, I've hidden these things, but now that you've, seek, you've sought me out, here they are, and you're, you'll be blown away by the truth of who he is and the reality of the word of God being you know, inspired and a revelation from God to us as his words. What a verse came to my heart again as I was going through this, Romans 8, um, the Spirit himself, uh, verse 16, bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And so I know I'm saved. I've done this before. But in the moment, I, I sat before the Lord. I said, Holy Spirit, bear witness. And I started crying. And I, I, this is not made up. I literally was like, okay, Lord, just bear witness that I'm saved. Don't make me cry now, though, Lord. <laughs> and, and, I, and I started weeping. And it was a weeping out of gratefulness because the Spirit in me was saying, you are a son of the living God. Hallelujah. 
Is that where your authority, is that where it comes from in your life? Have you had that experience where the Spirit of God has borne witness on you? That he is real, that he is alive, that he's living in you, that he's pursuing you. So, Lord, we just thank you for, for pursuing us, and we ask you, Holy Spirit, to bear witness. You promise it. We thank you that you bear witness as we're still before you, that you speak those words of life into us, that we are your children. You will never leave us or forsake us, and that we have an eternal glory awaiting us. Hallelujah. Second point, wholeheartedly learn from the master who is your teacher. As you establish Jesus as authority and the word is as authority, are you actually learning from him? Do you actually spend time with him? I love, again, as I prayed to begin this time, I love this scripture that calls us to pray unceasingly. How good of a God that we have that we can talk to him all day, every day. So I, I got my Master's of Divinity. I came, I didn't, a little bit of my testimony. I didn't want to actually get my graduate degree. My, I'm sorry, my uh, undergraduate degree. I was working, hold on one second. I was working as a youth pastor and I didn't have my undergraduate. I was kicked out of college for grades and other things and, uh, Found this job, glory to God, and I was like, I don't need to, why would I need to get my undergraduate degree when I'm doing what I love to do? Like, oh, this is the good trajectory. My mom was like, you have to graduate. You have to honor me. She's a believer, and she used the, the word of God, which is true. I don't think there's anything wrong when it's the true word of God where you would know, I, I believe you're supposed to do this. I'm your mother. You honor me. And I'm like, I can't really contradict that. It's, you know, so, okay. So I pursued it and got it about Two months after that, God's like, now I want you to go get your master's of divinity. And I'm like, oh, no. And again, like, I, like, I love education, believe me. And, but at the moment, I was like, you know, I, but I want to be going. And it was an amazing experience on many levels. It's a different story. I share that with you, though, to, to spur you on to listen to the master as he directs you that you would be conscious of where he's drawing you, that you would obey him in all things. As you listen to him, he will direct you on how to grow more intimate with him, even though it doesn't make sense. I had a good job. I, didn't, I loved it. I had a manse and a pool. I had, you know, great families in this church. The church was growing, and God's like, no, leave. And I'm like, okay. So I came here, and, and, I, and I've experienced tribulation here because of the call, like great tribulation that probably would never have happened if I didn't come here. And I've had to reconcile with, that, with the Lord in that and rejoice in it because he's drawn me closer to him because of the trials. And so that establishing, again, remember, establishing the authority of God in our lives and, and understanding that he's, his ways are better, far better than our ways, enables us to really pursue him so that when he tells us to do something, we're not like, ah, I don't know about that. I don't know if I really want to do that. Instead, we're like excited. We say, yes, I can't wait to do that. Even though it's going to be difficult, I'm going to do that because I trust you because you're my master. You're my teacher. You love me more than I love myself. You know, outside of time, everything that's going to happen. I submit. I'm excited to do it. So wholeheartedly learn from the master. When you, when you're wholeheartedly learning from someone, you're, you're listening intently. 
So as I moved from that being a master's and, you know, again, long story, I came into this job with Lenar Holmes, and I've seen how God, when you work in the church, I worked in the church for 12 years full-time, and you just get, you're just doing this all the time. You're studying the word all the time. You're talking about Jesus with people all the time, and then you're thrown into, the, like, the real world, and you're working, and you're around people who don't know the Lord. I'm shocked at how many people want to know the master. I'm amazed at it. I'm so thankful for this experience I've had that would only be there if I were obedient because I've been obedient to the Lord. So wholeheartedly pursue the master. And lastly, wholeheartedly learn, sorry, lastly, wholeheartedly teach others to obey the master. Um, And I'm just going to be really practical because I have five minutes. Who are you called to disciple? So Establishing the authority of God in our lives. Because of that, you're pursuing the master. The master clearly says in Matthew 28, the Great Commission, when, you know, the last thing basically said before he left was, now you go and make disciples. You disciple others, teaching them to obey me in all things, right? Teach them how to love me. Teach them how to teach others to obey my commands. Who are you called to disciple? Great exercise for you to do. I highly recommend doing this. Write down three people in your life that you're most intimate with. Are you discipling them? Husband, wife, kids. It's a good place to start. Close friends. Three people. And just focus on how to love them and disciple them. Discipling is all about, Lord, how can you use me to grow that person more intimate with you? as I teach them to love you, as I teach them to pray unceasingly, as I teach them to serve in their gifts in the church, as I teach them to evangelize, as I teach them to be in fellowship, to confess their sins to one another, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Then write down 12 people. So you've you've got your three, and these things, these people can change. Write down 12 people in your life, cousins, or it doesn't have to be relatives, people that you know, people in this room. By doing that, you're going to acknowledge these people created in the image of God are there perhaps for you to disciple, to train up, to know the Lord. It doesn't matter if they're older, younger. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they've been in the, in the faith for 40 years more than you. If God gives you a word, it's from the eternal God. Reach out to them. Say hello. And I, I actually love that Devin's here because Devin, I've been called to minister and disciple Devin, but in the process of doing it, he's, he's ministered to me because he listens to the Lord. I said to him the other day, I'm like, you're the only one who really ever asked me, like, how's it going with you and Jesus? Like, it's one of the first things he ever asked me. And I'm like, I love how you do that. And he goes, well, you, that's the way you ask me. But it's, my point in this, though, is that he is listening to the Lord for, for me. This is a symbiotic relationship. And though I'm, I'm more wiser in the sense that I've lived a lot longer than him in the faith, he's got the wisdom of God. So don't think it can't be your mother that you're discipling or someone older than you. And then write out, and I know it's a lot of people, but I, I highly encourage it, write out the 70 people. Jesus sent out 70. And as you do that, again, Become aware. So I have a prayer journal that I have written. I have over 900 prayers in it, and I don't tout my horn. I just love to pray for people because, gosh, it's just a, it's what a blessing to know that when we ask, we receive whatever we ask for in prayer, right? And, and if our call on this earth, as we're filled with the Holy Spirit, is just bless others, 
you just, it just, hopefully you guys do that. If you've not done that, just pray for people. Watch what God does as you just think of others and just lift them up in prayer. So when I'm praying through that list, I don't go through it every day. I go through it you know, maybe once a month. God will pinpoint somebody, and I'll reach out to them via email or Facebook or whatever, and I'll just say, hey, I've been praying for you. And I, and I just, you came to my mind, is there any way I can pray specifically for you these days? Or I, or I feel like God wants to share this with you. Okay, the 70. It actually winds up being a lot more than that. Because obviously we don't have enough time to truly walk hand in hand with 70 people. But we can absolutely feed them. Absolutely have some bread from the Savior that we can give to them. And uh, really cool, like when, you, when you're, preaching, if you're, if you're in the word in any way, oftentimes, at least in my experience, God will bring that to the forefront of your daily living, and you'll be like, wow, Lord, this is applicable to my day-to-day life. It's just amazing, <laughs> but it, but it, and it really is, because you're like, oh my gosh, why all of a sudden do I feel like there are all these people who want to be discipled? I walk into a home, so I go in and help homeowners with their concerns, and this woman had a, a sprinkler issue in her back where her about eight feet by eight feet of grass was dead, she invites me into her home, and I'm like, I don't need to go into your home. I just need to get back to your back and show you how to adjust your sprinkler so the water is hitting those areas. And I'm not, I'm not saying this, like, callously. Like, this woman is sweet, and she's shared. She has faith. And, but she said it again, come in. And, and then the spirit hit me, and he's like, what are you doing, Chip? Like, you remember why I called you this job, and it wasn't to fix sprinkler heads. I mean, that's a part of it for sure, or else I'd lose my job. But I went into her home and proceeded to talk to her for over an hour about Jesus and about her call to be a mother in the faith. And to the point where I'm like, I got I to gotta go because I've got an appointment. But I could have stayed there all day because she was so thirsting for the Lord. So you're 70. 3, 12, 70. Almost done. I'm actually done right now. <laughs> so... I'll end with this. As you pursue those people that God has put upon your heart, listen to him for words for them. Go to the word. He'll bring the word to your mind for them. You can't fail if you say, you know what, I was praying for you, and this word came to mind. I don't know what it means. Why don't you meditate on it and see what God says to you? Again, it's not about you. It's about God speaking to them and drawing them to him, into intimacy with him. So make the discipleship, as you teach others to obey his commands, make it simple. Start out with, how do you love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? You'd be amazed at how many people I've asked that to are like, I don't think I do. And then we're able to compare notes, and we're able to work through that to the place where they realize, you know, they may not be worshiping in spirit and truth when they're singing songs, but if they go outside and take a walk, they're like, for some reason, they're encountering the Lord like never before. So, Lord, we just thank you for this time. We desire for you to establish your authority in our lives, that we would trust you with everything. So whatever stumbling stone may be in our lives that hinder us from trusting you completely as our authority in life, remove it. Give us the the passion to pursue those answers so that we will be solidified Uh, in your word and in your authority. 
And Lord, help us to pursue you, that we would know you as our teacher, that we truly know you as our brother, as our father. You're so multifaceted. Help us to, to pursue you. Give us just passion and trust and to believe that you speak to us. I really feel like the Lord wants to press that upon our hearts here, that you can trust when you sit before the Lord, trust the thoughts that come into your mind and pursue those with him in dialogue. I know it may be weird, but just try it. Open up the word of God and say, God, I want you to speak to me personally through this and read until he does, until he pinpoints a word even or a phrase, and then just rest in that and meditate on that word until something happens where you are drawn closer to him. We long to be in deeper intimacy with you. There is no end to the depth of your love and grace for us. Hallelujah. Lord, give us a mind and a heart to unconditionally, selflessly reach out to people in our lives and disciple them, to teach them what it means to love you and love others, that they would know you more intimately because of the words you've given to us. Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Somebody give him a hand. That was, that's all right. 